Hello everyone and welcome back to the Video Games Podcast. This is the 60th episode and as always a huge thanks from me to you for listening. And this week in the world of gaming we got a surprise reveal for a brand new XCOM game which is cool if you're a fan of those and it's out next week. Gamescom 2020 has been officially cancelled but they do plan to do something in the digital arena. But as of right now we don't know exactly what that will entail. Also Jason Schreier leaves Kotaku this week but he says he will be landing on his feet somewhere new next week. And with Resident Evil 3 selling well based on its place in the Resident Evil 3 pantheon, rumors have started to spread about the next remake being Resident Evil 4, which will be released after RE8. Also, Crisis, the 2007 technical powerhouse, got a reveal that is being remastered for the current-gen consoles as well as the Nintendo Switch. This week on the show, I wanted to take a good look into the PS5 information that we got from Bloomberg that can maybe give us an idea of price and total units that we can expect to see, among other things. What else can we do but speculate and try to analyze and predict what will happen with the next gen? While on the topic of predictions, I also take a long look at what I expect to see from Nintendo in a few weeks when they release their fiscal year 2019 earnings report on May 7th. I also give my opinion on how I think the company looks moving forward from an investment standpoint. If you're interested in the business aspect of gaming, then hang on because we have a few good stories to talk about this week. It seems like we are slowly being drip-fed next-gen information from Sony either directly or indirectly, and last week, we finally got our first look at their idea of their next-gen controller, the DualSense, and as mentioned last week, the DualSense is definitely not playing it safe. The name change, the color scheme, and the shape change from the PlayStation DualShock formula are all bold choices in my opinion. And unsure of how these choices will be received as of yet, and not to mention the actual new features of the controller. The touchpad idea didn't equate to a revolutionary change in gameplay, so we will have to see how developers integrate some of these new features that they're creating. And according to an article this week on Bloomberg from Takashi Mochizuki, a main reason for the reveal of the controller was due to the worry of it leaking before Sony could officially announce it. As the controller's final design and features have been cemented, it was now being sent out to developers for them to use and to implement into their next generation of games. According to the article, the virus has already upended Sony's promotional plans, and recently it was forced to reveal its DualSense PS5 controller in a hurried fashion. And this is going based on anonymous sources that the article is using, as Sony did not make any official comment or has yet to publicly address their plans for the PS5. Although the heart of the article is focusing on how the PS5 is progressing for launch this fall, and as of now, things are still on schedule for this holiday, although at a seemingly reduced availability. A few weeks ago, Phil Spencer did some press with a handful of outlets, and the biggest takeaway from everything that Phil said was that it's all or nothing for the Xbox Series X launch. Microsoft is not entertaining the idea of a staggered launch in different regions, and it sounds like no matter what the reduced production is that the Xbox Series X will still be launching this fall. It also sounds like software will be reduced, but in the time between now and holiday 2020, it's quite different and trying to predict what will happen with this pandemic is anyone's guess. 
Phil's words clearly made their way to Sony as they don't plan on letting Microsoft get a head start on launch. Sources familiar with the situation said that Sony remains unlikely to delay the launch of the PS5 from its critical year-end shopping season, so long as arch-rival Microsoft doesn't push back the release of its next-generation Xbox. And this statement echoes what it seems like we have been witnessing from Sony. They are currently working outside of their comfort zone and are being forced to make decisions due to this pandemic. The Series X seems more powerful with a larger SSD, but power is not equal and we won't know the difference in the silicon until we can see these systems actually running games. And it was assumed that the Series X was going to be the premium system and therefore would be the more expensive system. However, it seems like that might not be the situation this fall. The article states that the developers are expecting the price of the system to be between $499 and $549 US. According to Bloomberg Intelligence, Matthew Canterman, the increased component costs and scarcity due to the global pandemic has raised the price that it would take for Sony to break even. It was reported about a month ago from Bloomberg as well that the actual hard cost of the PS5 was around 450 The higher cost was mostly due to the stress the pandemic is putting on its logistical channels. When using the PS4 as a baseline that launched at a higher retail price than its manufacturing cost, and it seems very unlikely that Sony will want to have the PS5 as a loss leader. All of this information makes it seem very unlikely that the PS5 will be launching at anything less than $499. I assume that based on the PS3 price, Microsoft would be taking a risk pricing their console at $599, but that is the likely price that I think they would settle on with the outside chance of it being at $549. You also have to take into account that when Microsoft launched the Xbox One X, it was priced at $499 and the Series X seems like a massive jump in technology compared to it. Phil Spencer has also publicly said that with the launch of the Series X, Microsoft will not be beat on price and power again. We saw what happened this generation when the Xbox One was out of step with the PS4 compared to its price and power, and I can't remember how many graphical comparison videos I saw at the start of the generation with the Xbox One looking much worse. The wrinkle here is that the article is assuming that the PS5 might be priced as high as $549, which seems much higher than many initially assumed it would be based on its lowered specs. I thought that the new Sony console would be priced about $50 to $100 less than the Xbox Series X and would leave a gap between their price and Microsoft to keep the advantage. And this doesn't necessarily seem like a possibility anymore. I have two minds when it comes to how Sony should be pricing their PS5. On one hand, Sony proved that with the PS4 they are able to deliver a top tier gaming experience with some amazing first party games, which does justify the higher price point and allows it to sit next to the Xbox Series X on a shelf. You also have the added benefit of understanding who will be buying the console at launch and that would be the early adopters who are pretty much already sold on the system despite the lack of information that they have. On the other hand, the console being priced lower makes sense for people who aren't hardcore and don't know the difference between clock speeds on the two systems. The question is just how many casual gamers are planning on buying a new console this year, especially considering the situation currently happening. 
If I was to give a definitive answer on what I think is going to happen, I think the two consoles will be launching at the same price of $549. I think Sony does not want to lose money on selling a system, and I think they have a track record of providing amazing experiences. Microsoft, on the other hand, will take a loss on the system so that they have the advantage of being the stronger system at the same price, and I think that Microsoft is thinking much more long-term with the Series X. Services such as Project X Cloud and Game Pass will be the heartbeat of this generation for Microsoft. These services are similar to Netflix in the sense that you never really cancel because of the value they offer for such a low price. The higher pricing theory for Sony is also amplified by the Bloomberg article and how many units the company is planning to ship by the end of the fiscal year, which is at the end of March. Sony is planning to ship upwards of 6 million units by the end of the fiscal year, which is less than the 7.5 the PS4 shipped during the same window. People familiar with the situation said the Tokyo-based tech giant is limiting its initial production run in part because it expects the PS5 ambitious specs to weigh on demand by leading to a high price point at launch. It seems like without a doubt, neither side wants to be the one to blink and both of these consoles will be launching this holiday in one way or another. I can't wait to find out more information in the weeks and months to come. As a disclaimer, I am not a licensed accountant, lawyer, or financial advisor, and these are just my opinions about the Nintendo stock. I am currently a shareholder as I have invested with my own money. I am just giving my opinion on how I think Nintendo looks moving forward from a business standpoint, which comes from a combination of business background and gaming experience. I can't predict the future, and I am in no way telling you what to do with your money. Please be smart and enjoy my thoughts. With Nintendo around a month away from releasing their fiscal year 2019 earnings report for the 12-month period ending March 31st, 2020, and the world being turned upside down, here's how I think things will look for Nintendo for their fiscal year 2019 and looking forward at fiscal year 2020. The Nintendo Switch has seen a steady increase in hardware sales since its release in large part due to its innovation and its growing first-party lineup of must-have games. However, the recent global pandemic has led to an increased demand for the Nintendo console as people look for timeless, family-friendly entertainment as they are quarantined at home. Nintendo factories have not shut down, nor have their suppliers but the slowdown has greatly reduced supply of the Switch worldwide as the system is mostly sold out or very scarce globally. A Nintendo representative gave a statement to GameSpot towards the end of March saying that Nintendo Switch hardware is selling out at various retail locations in the US, but more systems are on the way. Sold out systems isn't all good news for Nintendo as Bloomberg reported that due to the COVID-19 outbreak, the company has seen production reduced at some of its factories. Factories shut down across China have affected Nintendo's ability to manufacture at their higher levels due to their limited components. And although hardware is sold out mostly, Nintendo could likely be selling more if they could keep up with demand. Not only has hardware seen a spike in sales, but software has also seen a drastic uptick as well. The Nintendo Switch already has a strong library with 6 games having sold over 10 million units and countless more that have easily sold over a million. Nintendo seems to have struck mainstream gold again with the release of Animal Crossing New Horizons, and according to Famitsu, the fifth mainline entry in the series has sold 2.6 million copies in Japan in just 10 days. The sales in Japan alone bode well for fiscal year 2019 earnings report that will reveal just how well the game has done globally with just 11 days on the books before the period ended on March 31st. 
Many people think the success of New Horizons is due to the recent pandemic, and although it may have helped the game, hype levels did seem higher for this title before most of the world went into lockdown. Even if it was right place at the right time, a sale is still a sale, and this was just the relaxed experience that people were looking for, pandemic or not, we all need escapism at some point. The DS was Nintendo's most successful system to date with multiple iterations and over 150 million units sold over its 10-year life cycle. This includes the base DS, the DS Lite, the DSi, and the DSi Excel. Nintendo has a pattern of iterating on their systems with the 3DS having six variants when you consider the 2DS as part of the same family. And with the Switch being barely three years old at this point, introducing more variants in the years to come is a large opportunity that is in line with Nintendo's history. This is a major opportunity area, as the president of Nintendo has stated that the core of their operations is having a dedicated gaming platform. With the Switch being basically the sole focus of the company, I strongly expect to see more models alongside the Lite and the base Switch. Unfortunately, the Switch Pro model is not likely coming until fiscal year 2021. Nintendo President Shuntaro Furukawa said, We have no plans to launch a new Nintendo Switch model during 2020. Although sometimes corporations don't reveal their true plans, there's also the logistical problems that are being caused by the pandemic, with new systems likely on track for holiday 2020 from Microsoft and Sony. Releasing the Pro model this year also goes against Nintendo's Blue Ocean strategy that has benefited Nintendo since they stopped trying to compete on graphical power. A large part of how the company plans to grow their ecosystem is bringing Nintendo to places outside of the world of gaming. We have already seen them partner with Levi's and Uniqlo in unconventional ways. Another way is how they just announced a partnership with LEGO, the largest toy brand in the world, to create an interactive Mario-themed collection. And I think this grassroots approach should work in the long term for kids that might be considered too young to play video games at the moment, but can play with LEGO. These kids should form an attachment with these characters, and when they are old enough, hopefully they will want to get into the world of gaming with Nintendo. And then there's also the kids at heart and collectors who will be buying these sets right away as well. Nintendo is also taking another unconventional path by branching out into the world of theme parks in a venture with Universal Studios. This experiment will start in Japan, followed by the US. However, COVID-19 and social distancing will definitely tamper expectations in the short term, but in the long term, the hope is that the world will once again return to normalcy and people will gather in large crowds. The first park was supposed to open in Osaka ahead of the 2020 Olympics, but it's clear that large gatherings are off the table for 2020. In a mission statement from the president of Nintendo, one of the areas they plan to raise corporate value is by getting their IP into the hands of more players. Smart devices, including phones and tablets, is an area that Nintendo has barely began exploring with only a handful of games with varying levels of success. I think Nintendo has learned many valuable lessons already regarding smart devices, including free-to-play, free-to-start, AR, microtransactions, and many more. And I think this information is invaluable, and I only see Nintendo becoming more profitable using this method moving forward as the amount of smartphone owners only gets bigger every day. Another opportunity that Nintendo has in terms of getting their content into the hands of more players involves doing another retro console. Nintendo skipped 2018 and 2019 after releasing the NES Classic and the SNES Classic in back-to-back -back years in 2016 and 2017. 
It's possible that we haven't seen the new Mini Classic from Nintendo because they felt like the market for the Mini Retro consoles may have gotten watered down with companies like Sega, Atari, and Sony joining the fray. There are only so many options that you can recreate before you catch up with time itself, but I still think that Nintendo has an opportunity with the N64 and with the Game Boy. But with the current pandemic, financials have become a worry for some, but I think the retro consoles do provide a warmth and comfort of nostalgia that is greatly needed during times like these. These mini retro consoles from Nintendo are also priced low enough that most people could justify the purchase, even during these tougher financial times for some. The only reason I think this won't happen this year is due to the recent logistical problems bumping production of Switch and Switch Lite for a retro console when Nintendo needs to build up stock of the Switch for the holiday reason seems like it might not happen this year. However, I don't think it's likely far off in the future for Nintendo. The only pessimistic view I have for the company moving forward is that its current share price of around 50 is close to the two-year high of 55. Although the all-time high of the stock was 78.50 back in October of 2007, which was about a year after the release of the Wii, or as it's better known, the only console your parents ever bought for themselves. This means a known value of the company that they once held could lead to a 60% ROI. The Switch will likely outsell the Wii by the end of its run, but it does need to increase its attach rate, which is the average games each system owner purchases, as the Wii is currently around 50% better. The original forecast for fiscal year 2019 was selling 18 million Switch units worldwide. This was already a great increase from fiscal year 2018, but with such fantastic performance in Q3, Nintendo had modified its forecast from 18 to 19.5 million units sold. They also increased the projections on software from 125 million to 140 units. At the end of Q3, which is historically the best quarter since it's around most of the holidays, Switch hardware sales globally were 17.74 million and software sales were 123.3 million. Considering that most places are sold out of the console and how well Animal Crossing sales are being reported on in just Japan, it's safe to assume that Nintendo will be beating these projections. The other benefit is how their digital sales have been increasing at an astonishing rate with their last earnings report showing an almost 50% year-on-year increase in digital sales. Nintendo's digital sales fluctuate between 20 and 30% of their total sales which means that this is another area that Nintendo can grow. Combined beating their increased revised forecast and making more profit on digital and Nintendo looks poised for a great fiscal year 2019 earnings report on May 7th. Looking ahead for fiscal year 2020, despite factory slowdowns, Nintendo looks to have another great year ahead with starting off the year strong with Animal Crossing sales from April onwards, increased digital revenue from people in quarantine, and the rumored 35th anniversary of Super Mario should be the foundation for another great fiscal year. Alright, well that's going to be it for the 60th episode of the Video Games Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you learned something new. And if you made it this far, then you most likely enjoy the podcast or you left it playing in the background. And if the first one is correct, then I ask that you consider subscribing wherever you are listening to this podcast. It truly helps in the long run and helps other people find the show. And I would love to be able to take this to the next level. Anyways, I hope everyone out there listening is staying home, staying safe, and if possible, catching up on their backlog of games or finding some new experiences. Remember, gaming is a great form of escapism and fun, so please be nice to your fellow gamer, and more importantly, be nice to your fellow human.